This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Thanks to Eddie Hughes in for Brian Redmond for the last two hours. Brian will be back with you next Saturday morning and of course you can join him tomorrow evening for Sunday with the Stars. We got great feedback on last week's Bottom Line in which we looked back at the year 2020 in business and what a year it was. But now with Christmas and the new year receding into the proverbial rear view mirror here on The Bottom Line we're all about looking ahead. And while there are many challenges over the next 12 months, we'll be covering all that's best in business and hearing about how people are innovating, changing and adapting in the face of the many challenges that are out there. So for all of us in 2021, it should be a case of very much onwards and upwards. This morning on the programme, we'll be talking to Kieran Conroy, the newly elected chairman of Kilkenny Tourism, and hearing his thoughts about how his organisation can help lead tourism and hospitality, which are Kilkenny's biggest business sector, out of the tough place it finds itself in. Maria Couchman from Carlow Local Enterprise Office will be telling us about how the Carlow food strategy is going and how pandemic or no pandemic, they're aiming to bring all aspects of the food industry to the next level. And Anne Zahan of Core Media will be joining us to share insights from Core's survey of over 1,000 Irish consumers and tell us what they've learned about how consumers are looking ahead to 2021 and what's on their priority list. But first, Bloomberg is a name synonymous with business and the company is the global leader in business and financial news insights and data. I'm delighted to be joined on the line to talk about the last week and to look ahead to where we're going on some of the biggest business issues facing us as we get stuck into 2021 by Dara Doyle, who's Bureau Chief of Bloomberg in Ireland. Good morning, Dara. How are you doing, John? How are you? Very well. Look, before we get stuck into the issues, uh, just tell us a bit more about Bloomberg and, and the work you do in Ireland. Absolutely. So, uh, Bloomberg was started about 40 years ago by a guy called Mike Bloomberg, um, and it's now, I guess, turned into the largest financial news uh, wire service in the US and probably one of the biggest in Europe. Um, so, basically, what we do is we cover everything from finance, politics, uh, the economy. Um, anything we say that can sort of, we kind of uh, follow capitalism, we, we, anything that can move the price of money, um, that's, what, that's what we do. Um, so in terms of our coverage here in Ireland, we basically have two reporters um, covering, as I say, everything from, uh, from the government, from, you know, from Neil Martin and Leo Varadkar, to companies like Bank of Ireland, to more general developments like kind of COVID, you know. So basically what we're trying to do is trying to explain Ireland and the Irish economy to a global uh, audience, um, you know, the US and, and, and Europe and beyond. So I guess that's our job to try and explain. We have lots of clients in Ireland, but really our job is to explain Ireland to, uh, to an outside audience. Yeah, and you're part of a huge global network and presumably then that, that allows you to interact with colleagues around the world and even there's some Irish people working for Bloomberg in some unlikely places. Oh, absolutely. There's a huge uh, uh, um, uh, 
Irish sort of diaspora within Bloomberg, which is great in some ways, but it's an absolute pain in other ways because they're always reading the Irish newspapers and say, hey, why don't we have this story that I read in the Irish Independent or the Irish Times or the Kilkenny uh, local paper there. So um, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, but yeah, we have got a great uh, sort of Irish diaspora within the company. In fact, our London bureau chief is, uh, is an Irish guy from Cork called Neil Callaghan. So it gives you, an, gives you an idea of the reach that we have. But it's, it's extremely useful um, to have that kind of network within 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 the sort of the company because we kind of get to understand how global trends then affect Ireland like give you two quick examples of that um, I think we were the first last week to be able to report this kind of story that took off which was that Martin Spencer's may have to withdraw its uh, famous Percy Pigs uh, mm, yeah. candies from uh, from Irish stores which actually garnered a huge amount of attention and um, I think we were managed to be first with that because you know that, obviously, that story obviously came out of London it was on the Martin Spencer's earnings call we'd been in touch with the London retail reporter kind of the day before saying look can you look at for any comments on Ireland? She spotted this one. She wrote the story, and it became kind of a huge, uh, a huge story. Not actually, not just in Ireland, but also in the UK. And because there's a lot of sort of people have a lot of attachment to kind of brands like that, you know. So that was one example. The second example that you and I have spoken about in the past was an Irish guy called, well, he's sort of English Irish guy called Sebastian Boyd. In Chile, of all places, who's sort of on a data side, or it's one of the things that he does. He's been crunching numbers on COVID and came to me last week with the figure that Ireland has now, uh, after this huge surge post Christmas and COVID, Ireland was now uh, the biggest, uh, had the biggest, worst outbreak of COVID in the world. Um, so we were able to put together a chart. Uh, get that online, get, uh, tweet that, and that obviously became quite a, a big story last week. Tony Holland was asked about it. So, you know, um, without those resources, it would be very hard to, 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 uh, to do this kind of stuff. Um, I suppose the one interesting thing working for Bloomberg is that, you know, you kind of see things in a bigger kind of context. So, for example, here we're obsessed with how slow or quick the vaccine rollout is, but because we're kind of got our heads up and looking around, we can see that a lot of these issues are, are similar in different kind of countries. Um, you know, so you can see the issues of vaccine right in places like Germany and France as well. So often these things aren't just an Irish, uh, an, an, an Irish trend. You can fit them into a bigger kind of global pattern. Yeah, and so you and your colleague in Chile were responsible for really shaking the country up with that piece of information because I think it really um, stopped people in their tracks um, and I think it's been sort of, it's going in the right direction at the moment but it really was a wake-up call. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I suspect when people were seeing numbers like, you know, 8,000 cases a day, I mean, you know, we, got, we went from 300 to 8,000, I suppose. That in and of itself was kind of giving people a fright but I guess when you see this, this 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 figure that you know, or this 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 nugget that we were uh, the the worst outbreak in the world, um, I kind of gave everybody sort of pause for thought. Now, as you say, numbers are kind of coming down again, and these trends can be temporary. But you know, um, absolutely, I think it kind of stopped everybody in its tracks last week to to, to understand what was kind of going on. You know, yeah, we hear and, a lot. Know, of actually, sorry, can I, what, what can I say about that as well? It wasn't just a story that got Irish attention; it actually tr- attracted a lot of Europeans, drew global attention because you know. Uh, people had this general, you know, people sometimes get obsessed with how much attention the world pays to Ireland. Often the world isn't paying that much attention. Um, but when stuff like this happens, they do pay a lot of attention. There was a general sense that Ireland had done a pretty good job of getting the pandemic under control. Um, you know, people had kind of ter- turned focus away to other countries. And suddenly, almost out of the blue, we went from this, I'd say, from 300 cases a day to 8,000. And you know, this became a huge um, talking point within Europe. Uh, it was a very interesting piece in the Irish Times yesterday suggesting that actually Angela Merkel's move to tighten restrictions in Germany were partly influenced by the trends that they were seeing in Ireland. They were terrified that their numbers could go the same way. And Ireland had cited quite a lot in the German debate about whether or not they should introduce a new lockdown. So 
So mm. Now, we hear a lot about uh, data and equally we hear a lot about fake news, but I suppose that's a very good example of how actually crunching the data can lead to really insightful stories um, that have real-world consequences. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <clears throat> At the same time, of course, you have to be a little bit ca- careful with that. You can slice numbers <laughs> in a lot of different lies, ways. Lies, lies, and damn statistics. Ab- uh, absolutely. You can, you can take, you could put those numbers over, I don't know, a month period and the iron wouldn't look too bad, or you could put them over two days and they look okay the last couple of days. So you have to be a little bit careful. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, ultimately, you know, a lot of times the numbers, you know, uh, don't lie. Um, I, and I always give the example if I'm talking to like journalism students who, who might find numbers quite boring. You know, we go back, I'm not sure if you're old enough to remember the, the financial crisis in our bailout back in, what was it, 2008, 2009? Yeah. And, you know, we, we were all kind of slightly obsessed with Brian Cowan and the CFL government and, you know, would it make a difference, yada, yada. Um, but actually, if you look at what happened there, it, you know, just, it was just the numbers. It was just bond investors weren't prepared to lend us. You know, uh, money had a certain mm. rate. We couldn't afford to pay it back um, at those rates. The, the, we could see the interest rate ticking up every day. So it didn't really matter what Brian Cowan or anybody else did. It was just the numbers. It was just the view of Ireland internationally. So, you know, so sometimes I think we kind of get carried away. And, you know, it's more interesting to focus on personalities a lot of the time. Yeah. But often, you know, outcomes will be sort of driven by actually sort of numbers to an extent, you know. Yeah, now you were down, I believe, in Dublin Port during the week, getting up close and personal with that B-word, Brexit. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And how, um, how, you know, I mean, there's such a blizzard of stories these days. Sure. Is is blizzard, or is Brexit going frictionlessly, as Boris Johnson would have us believe? I, I mean, I think it's absolutely fair to say that it's not going frictionlessly. Um, but, but actually, you made a really good point there. The, the problem a lot of the time, there's, it's, there's a lot of different agendas going on here, and sometimes it's quite difficult to figure out exactly what, the reality is, and I'll give you a little example of that. I suppose the Northern Irish Protocol is one kind of, sorry, I don't want to bore your or scare your listeners with the, the mention of the Reddit Protocol word, but, you know, obviously there's been some problems up north. The DUP has portrayed this as an absolute disaster and catastrophe, and, you know, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, Northern Ireland is on the verge of, you know, having absolutely empty shelves. I mean, the reality up there is a bit different. Things are sticky, but, you know, the shelves are still you know, relatively full. Things are going not too bad, according to some, some exporters up there. But obviously it's in the DUP's interest to portray this as an absolute disaster. So, see, I think we have to be a little bit careful about, you know, um, we hear sort of lobby groups saying, talking about the catastrophe it all is and all that kind of stuff. But, but look, having said that, there is no doubt that there are delays and there are problems, absolutely no doubt. Um, I'll give you one small example that I thought was really striking. Um, a driver arrived last Saturday morning at Dublin Port. Uh, he didn't, I think he was from Poland, I think they, they, they said, he didn't have the correct papers um, and he ended up having to stay in the port uh, with his lorry for 36 hours uh, until Monday morning until he could get in contact with his, the customs agent who was, who was doing the, the, the importation. So, I mean, you know, that, and that was absolutely directly linked to, to, to Brexit. So there's no doubt that, that there are issues and there are problems. Yeah, not, not, a, not any doubt that that's not the place you want to be sitting in the first weekend of January, really. <laughs> is it? Well, look, Dara, a uh, pleasure to talk to you and uh, there's a Kilkenny link with uh, Bloomberg's uh, Irish Bureau as well I think yeah absolutely uh, Peter Fanning my colleague I believe his wife is from Kilkenny so um, if, if, uh, if Owen is in 
our, our, our parents are listening. Uh, say hello to them. Yeah. Um, the amazing thing about Bloomberg and Ireland, you'll always find a connection somewhere. Absolutely, <laughs> always, yeah. Always, we're, we're, always. We're, the Irish diaspora uh, is even operates on a county basis. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're all we're all very interested now in the in the fate of Brian Cody and uh, and the Hurley team down there as well. Well, good man. I'm sure that'll keep you busy over the summer or whenever they decide to have the championship with worldwide interest in the black and amber. Well, we're always interested in, in Brian Cody and what's going on down there, you know, so uh, absolutely, yeah. best, best of luck. Yeah, well, look, Dara, pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to hopefully catching up with you again throughout uh, 21. Uh, that's Dara Doyle, who's Bureau Chief for Bloomberg in Ireland. Thanks, John. Nice time to you. Okay, talk again. Uh, we'll right, be bye. back after the break, and we'll be talking about tourism. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. The heart of two counties. KCLR. You're very welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Just coming up to 23 minutes after nine o'clock. Now, interesting to see that St. Canis's Credit Union have been approved uh, for the COVID-19 Credit Guarantee Scheme to boost local SME and agri-community lending. And we look forward to hearing more, <coughs> excuse me, about that. And we'll be having somebody from the Strategic Banking Corporation of Ireland on the programme next week to explain all about the Credit Guarantee Scheme, which is uh, operated by St. Canis's Credit Union as a member of Matamo, which is a joint venture between 16 credit unions and Fexco and has been approved for that Credit Guarantee Scheme, as I mentioned. Now, also, as I mentioned in the introduction to the programme, tourism and hospitality is Kilkenny's biggest single business sector, and it is a sector that it's fair to say has been floored by COVID, with literally hundreds of businesses closed and thousands of employees out of work due to the disruption of the pandemic. In December, Kieran Conroy, Chief Executive of Kilkenny Civic Trust, took the chair of Kilkenny Tourism at a uniquely challenging time for this hugely important business sector, which is at the heart of the business life, but not only that, the economy and indeed the identity of Kilkenny City and County. Kieran joins me on the line. Good morning, Kieran. Good morning, John. Yeah, now before we get into the nuts and bolts, for people who might tell you or know you, tell us a bit about your own life and business. Well, I'm a proud Leash fan, so I'm, uh, I come across the border. Um, uh, there's no great big wall there, thankfully, um, each morning. Um, so, in business, I suppose I come from a customer focused background. I've been in a number of industries, tourism, sport, retail, consultancy. Um, worked through a number of companies here in Ireland, Bordemona, Water Crystal Horse Race in Ireland, and my own facilitation and consultancy business. We even use Lego bricks to uh, stimulate creativity, so maybe we'll take those back out um, with the challenges ahead. Yeah. Domestic, domestic and international um, uh, experience and across product and service uh, marketing before coming to. Kilkenny and the Civic Trust um, uh, a few years ago. Yeah, and now you've taken on the mantle of chair of Kilkenny Tourism. There have been many illustrious chairs down through the years, but it's all been about growth and how to build on the success. But basically, something of a back to maybe square one is going back too far, but uh, no doubt tourism and hospitality will be set back um, by this whole COVID episode, how do you see it? Episode is probably an understatement, you know, just complete catastrophe. Where's tourism at and where are you going to bring it? 
Well, I suppose where we'll catch on is just being <laughs> exemplified in the last few minutes of your programme with Dara from, from Bloomberg. Ireland is uh, at the top. Uh, we're the best in the world, but we're in the best of the world in the in the in the wrong area um, at the moment. So I suppose the only way is up. Like tourist is a huge industry across the world, tourism, and it's you know responsible for one in ten jobs um, uh, on the planet. And I, and I think actually Kenny, as per your introduction, there, it's even more important. It's responsible for one in seven jobs in Kilkenny. Um, I understand. So it impacts on thousands of households and jobs and livelihoods, and I suppose that's important for us all to understand that it is a huge impact on the on the uh, local community. Specifically to your question, I suppose, COVID, when it hit um, back last March, and it seems like a long time ago now to mid-March uh, 2020, tourism was one of the first industries to be, to be hit and probably will be the last or one of the last to really recover because of the you know, complexities uh, of it. So thousands of business closed, I think in Ireland, 150,000 job losses, um, 85% of revenue the previous year, not there this year. So huge uh, issues uh, for tourism regarding the lockdowns, no international tourists. Um, we were limited to the Irish market, and even that was limited again with movement restrictions at one stage, as you know, Dublin, uh, Dublin County lockdown, so that had an impact on, on Kilkenny, so we've been in those yo-yo um, up and down, on and off for the, for the last while, and, um, and probably um, those that have survived in the tourism industry have done so um, on the government support. Yeah, now, um, as we head into 2021, the vaccine is on the horizon. That is obviously, hopefully, going to be a game changer for, for society. How is it going to impact um, uh, tourism and hospitality? Presumably, people will be looking to reopen, but can it ever be the same? Well, I suppose the first way it will impact, and it's impacted on, on us all, is it gives us hope. Um, and I, I have to say, we had our first board meeting of the uh, the year with the Kilkenny group um, uh, uh, this week. And it was just wonderful to to have hope because certainly the Christmas period and the time um, we all um, uh, uh, went on, a, on on the Christmas break, even if we weren't necessarily going on a break this year, we were already on a break, but at Christmas it even got worse and worse and certainly over the, over the new year. So I think, um, as you say, it's a game changer. Um, crisis like this, and this is a real, real bad crisis, like if you think of it, John, um, you know, SARS, Twin Towers, all of those were sort of, I suppose in some ways restricted to almost jurisdictions, but here, and even looking at TV last night, America, uh, Brazil, Europe, Africa, like all over the world has been hit, but crisis like that creates opportunity, and um, like if we remember Dresden after the Second World War, it was in rubble, and you know, within a short number of years, Germany um, had, uh, you know, raised from the ashes again. So that's what we need to do. We need to have um, uh, hope and, and confidence. It will be a long road to recovery. And I think it has changed things, as you suggest, for forever, certainly in the mind of the customer and in the mind of the visitor coming to 
to anyone, particularly for us to kick any. Yeah, now, um, from chatting to you earlier, I know you're into long-distance running ultra marathons, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that, unfeasibly long distances over rough terrain and so on. How are you going to bring that to Kilkenny Tourism? Presumably resilience is very important for the tourism sector, but what's Kilkenny Tourism going to do about the situation that tourism and hospitality finds itself in? Well, it's interesting you mention... um Long distance running and um, uh, you're right on uh, trail running and, and mountain running and a lot of those particular events are, you know, that I participate in are sort of you know 50 mile plus, a uh, uh, hundred miles and they're over. Nino, um, Nino. A long, yeah, long period of time and it's it's a long haul, um, and during that long haul there are ups and downs and that's exactly what happens in business. Um, you know, there's peaks and valleys and we've been in. Uh, a valley now um, and we need to get ourselves out of it and how do you get yourself um, out of that well I suppose just by rolling up your sleeves and and fighting hard and you mentioned again in the introduction there about uh, you know Kilkenny Tourism Kilkenny Tourism is a volunteer organisation it's I suppose funny in one way it's a cooperation group we're a cooperative that are in competition so we absolutely do our living best to get people to come to Kilkenny and when they get here, you the individual business units then that do the do their best to actually win the heart and mind of the of, of, of the customer. So it's a volunteer organization. We've chosen two hundred uh, members, all funded uh, by members' fees and matched um, uh, by the, the local authority with their, their destination marketing organization. And I suppose our role is uh, make Kilkenny and market it as, as a great destination um, uh, to visit. And now, going forward, we have to start, like all good businesses, I suppose, with understanding the mind of the customer. And that is changed. And probably, as again you suggest, it's changed forever. Attitudes have changed. Behaviours and priorities will definitely change as we see customers coming back. Um, I think people in general are taking nothing for granted in life. They have different motivations. They have a huge value now in enjoying life. Their families, they want great experiences. And I think in Kilkenny, we have all the ingredients required to succeed um, on that pitch. Again, your previous contributor mentioned about um, uh, uh, Brian Cody. And we're now in pre-season, you know, and very often when you win uh, and get to win all Ireland. Um, uh, is that they often refer to us, but it's the work that we've done back in, you know, way back then. So we've been doing a lot of work behind uh, the scenes. We're primed, we're ready, um, uh, and we think we have um, a fantastic, a fantastic offer here. And I think we can even be more ambitious than than we are. Um, I heard, I think, one of your programs recently, Simon O'Dwyer from 360 Marketing, um, on and we were involved a little bit. In, in that discussion um, and to make Kilkenny you know a great place uh, uh, to live and a great place to, to visit and a great place to do vis- uh, business in so that's our ambition we have 200 people chopping at the bit to get back out there we need it for ourselves and our individual businesses and we want to make a, a wonderful contribution uh, to our community yeah, and uh, finally, just to explain to people, Kieran, uh, we haven't got a huge amount of time, but just there's a huge amount of stakeholders in uh, tourism in Kilkenny. Who are those, just for people's information? You know, it's more than just people who own hotels, for example. Oh, yeah, no, we have, I mean, the way we've set up is we've actually got a, as I say, uh, close on 
on on uh, uh, two hundred um, uh, members and um, and again you're right it's not just um, hotels accommodation is a big piece of it but you've got self catering you've got uh, B and B's you've got food producers we have our, our retailers craftspeople and um, we've all the activities thankfully now going forward outdoor pursuits um, uh, uh, number ten we've got the uh, uh, vintners. Um, and we've got the visitor attractions and, and we've also got heritage and culture um, and then we have a number of support people like uh, uh, Kenny County Council um, the OPW leader on, on the group so it's a great team there is a great um, depth of knowledge there there's been great success in the past we are the envy um, of uh, people uh, and jurisdictions across Ireland and were perceived to be up there so we're well primed to go back um, but we could even be better mm. um, and that's our ambition to be better going forward Well look Karen, it's great to talk to you there's a lovely um, there's a lovely text in uh, from Rachel Doyle from the Arboretum herself a really positive and innovative businesswoman um, and she says John delighted to hear Karen on your programme great guy for Kilkenny Tourism bringing a wealth of experience with him thank you very much for that uh, Rachel look Karen, we know you and everybody in the tourism and hospitality business is going through a tough time. But, you know, just as you got through 50 mile runs and 100 mile runs, I'm sure you and your colleagues will break through the walls uh, that face you and you can be assured of the best wishes of everybody here in Casey Law. But more importantly, beyond and the thousands of people who are looking forward to getting back to um, having coffees sitting on a pavement or visiting an outdoor activity centre and so on. Thank you, John, and please, God, that won't be very long. Hopefully so. Thank you very much. That's uh, Kieran Conroy, who's uh, the newly elected chairman of Kilkenny Tourism, uh, a business that's gone through a very tough time at the moment. We'll be back to talk about the food industry in Carlow after these. At the heart of us all. KCLR indeed at the heart of it all and a nice text in which uh, from a listener asking us to give a shout out to the Hayes, Hennessy, Connolly and Hines clans in and around Thomastown, Greg Namana and Stonyford and that comes from Mick and Garbo's kids in England. We miss you all and we will be over as soon as we can they say so good to know we've got people listening to us in the UK regardless of the B word Brexit because uh, we are still all around the world here on KCLR and you can listen on the KCLR. CLR app. Now, uh, just a shout out to Linda Cadool, a former guest on this programme and a business advisor with AIB Business Banking in Kilkenny, who's been named as the incoming president of Kilkenny, uh, of Network Ireland Kilkenny for 2021. Best of luck, Linda, and we look forward to talking to you on the programme. Now, last year on The Bottom Line, some of our standout memories involved meeting and talking to some of the hundreds of local food producers, people involved in making, salaging, packing and marketing many of the food products produced across Carlow and Kilkenny. We look forward to that again in 21. In July, uh, we covered the launch of the Carlow Food Strategy. Now, while July seems like a world away from now, the work on the strategy continues and Carlow Local Enterprise Office, who are leading the development of the strategy, are looking for people involved in the food industry to contact them and register for a new guide that they're putting together. So earlier on, I caught up with Maria Couchman, who is an economic development officer with Carlo Leo and who is working on the strategy and I asked her to bring me up to date with what she's been at since last we spoke in July. 
Thanks, John, and good morning to you and to your listeners and, and a happy new year. Um, certainly, yes, I've been very busy since uh, we last spoke in July about the food and drink strategy. So since we've spoken, um, I've actually worked uh, through the narrative, or I suppose the story behind the Carlo food and drink um, scene. So that's a very exciting uh, piece of research to really get underneath the bonnet and to really understand what it means to be part of the food and drink scene within Carlo. And I suppose one of the outputs from that, that, that again, it's very exciting, is that I've been able to develop a brand that reflects uh, the food and drink uh, taste of Carlo, if you like. So the brand itself is called Taste in Carlo. Um, and that brand will be used for the mark- to help the marketing communications um, of Carlo and the food and drink scene um, as the strategy is developed. And it's really a key thing to have um, in order to be able to, you know, effectively communicate and effectively market uh, the food and drink uh, producers but also food and drink related businesses and enterprises within Carlo um, and as well as that I'm also working on developing some case studies so really highlighting some of the some of the very distinct um, food producers in the Carlo area and uh, helping them to share and tell their story through um, through videos that really highlights what is distinct and unique within Carlo um, and as well as that uh, what I'm working on currently at the moment it's it's to develop a Carlo taste trail and I suppose the uh, idea behind the taste trail is that in particularly uh, you know in the last year you know food production retailing hospitality food service enterprises they've all suffered particular hardship in 2020 and the the Carlo local enterprise office it's developed an initiative under the accelerated town and village funding scheme to develop a Carlo taste trail and this taste trail it's really designed to help reboot and reinvigorate consumer engagement with their local food heroes and I know when I spoke before and, and you know I'll say it again I suppose Carlo has a really thriving and distinct food and drink landscape um, but one thing we're finding particularly in the last year is that you know a lot of owner managers they've been so busy trying to maintain their businesses um, that they don't have or they didn't have the resource and perhaps the time to communicate what they had an offer to a local audience and you know that offer really is exceptional <laughs> yeah and uh, shortly before christmas you launched a call for inclusions in a new guide that you're publishing which is all part of the marketing and promotion what do you want people to do yeah absolutely so this the, the carla taste trail really the idea behind it as i've mentioned it's to try and and um bring together and understand what sets what is unique about the carla food and drink scene and in particular the local food heroes so there there's an application process that's open at the moment and it is really to invite people that are connected in any way to the food and drink scene in carla to tell their story so it's important to note as well that this is open absolutely to carla food and drink producers but it's similarly it's open to to, um, uh, it could be open to people who are running, say, a foraging workshop. It could be that you run a food market or a farmer's market. You might have an agritourism experience that you run on your on your farm or in your business. Um, you could be a hotel or a cafe featuring local producers. Or similarly, you could be running cookery workshops or even, you know, be a social enterprise or an educational enterprise that is somehow tied to food uh, or farming in the Carlo area. Because mm, while we're in the midst of, of really difficult COVID times, the interest in local and local food, and I know this through this programme, has never been higher really. So there are opportunities amidst the gloom. 
Oh, absolutely. And I think it is, you know, a little bit of a silver lining to, to, to the whole current situation, John, is that, um, well, certainly from personal experience, I know that, you know, when we are, you know, in lockdown, suddenly local becomes incredibly important. And I, I'm sure a lot of your, a lot of your listeners um, uh, have, have gone online, as, as I have, you know, to look at what is five kilometres, you know, and within that area to look at, you know, the map, you know, in your, in your local and immediate area and to discover an awful lot of things that perhaps you weren't aware that was there, be it in new food, be it a, you know, an, an, a trail or, you know, a, a wood that you could visit or indeed some, you know, local business that you weren't aware of. So absolutely, I think this is this is particularly why this food trail, um, which is aimed to highlight the local food stories in Carlo, it's particularly relevant, particularly pertinent at the moment. And it, it's also very much designed to stimulate awareness, yes, absolutely, of what is new, what is distinct within Carlo, but also to drive uh, people to these businesses or these experiences websites. And then, you know, ultimately we look forward to brighter days so we can actually go and visit these experiences as well. Yeah, and collaboration is a huge uh important word in the whole process you're you're seeking to collaborate with people in the development of the strategy and the plans for the future so this is another part of it you want really want people to engage this is another thread through it as well and you know as part of the food and drink strategy you know one of the key pillars that we have it's around the communications um and and the marketing of the story of carla but it's also about the engagement of local uh, of local people and also obviously uh, regional and national and, and even international visitors as well. So, yeah, absolutely. This taste trail, it's envisaged that the, the output from this or the story that we have and the map and the trail that we produce from it will last for up to two years, but it is also about building the foundations of a permanent food trail and that will be a more extensive and I suppose a more um, uh, as I said, a more, a more permanent food trail for the Carlow area where people will then be able to go on a journey from sort of A to B and weave through different experiences and, and that's really, um, you know, that's really fundamentally where, where we're trying to go with part, part of the food strategy where we're trying to go with this yeah now when last you and i spoke it was back in july and we thought uh life was different then we were socially distanced i think i had a microphone on the end of a long boom and i was chatting to you we're now having yes. to isolate even further what have the impacts been on the whole development of the strategy or are you just innovating and keeping going and onwards and upwards we are we are working very much in the background like i've said john you know we're working on i suppose the building blocks part of it so that is it is about the development of the food brand which has been completed it is about you know getting that story in those fundamental pieces we're also working uh you know with the food form as well but you know I'm, I'm very cognizant and i really am very aware as we all are in the local enterprise office about the challenges that people are having this year um and i suppose we've we've been uh, yeah, initiatives such as this specific taster under the Accelerator Town and Village Fund, you know, it is very much a, a, an instant reaction, an instant response to the immediate requirements, um, you know, that COVID has has sort of dictated. But I suppose outside of that as well, from the local enterprise office perspective, you know, we've also got sort of Brexit that's kind of coming through as well. So we are running, um, we are running advisory clinics for Brexit as well to support. And we do have overall, you know, we have a lot of mentoring supports. We've got a lot of business supports for, for businesses out there um, in the run-up to Christmas as well, you know, with the, the local enterprise offices around the Look for Local campaign. Mm-hmm. So again, about stimulating and, and creating awareness about local businesses. So 
Maria Couchman, their Economic Development Officer with Carla Local Enterprise Office, telling us all the work that's going on in relation to the development of a food strategy. And uh, Maria mentioned the Look for Local campaign. If you want to find out more for that, you can log on to localenterprise.ie forward slash look for local. And it's all about helping local businesses and supporting local jobs and communities, which is something that we're all fully behind here on KCLR. And just to give a plug for our own website, shopcarlockkenny.ie, which has got over seven. 700 businesses, I think, on it at the moment. So if you want to look on that, you'll find stuff. And I've been delighted to meet people who've actually been using it to find stuff that's going on locally. Now, before Christmas, we spoke to our next guest, who's Anne Zahan, who's Strategy Director for Core Media, about people's uh, expectations for Christmas. And that was an interesting piece of research. They've spoken to over a thousand people again to find out what people are expecting in uh, 2021. Good morning, Anne. You join us again. Happy New Year to you. Good morning, John. Happy New Year. Great to be back. Yeah. Um, so tell us, how are people looking forward to 2021? You you asked them at the last week of December. Uh, not a great time yeah. to be getting cheerful answers. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, I, I think there definitely was a bit of fear that w- there would be another lockdown uh, immediately after Christmas. But I don't think anyone expected it to be uh, quite as bad as it is now. And I think that sentiment probably informed a lot of what we're seeing in this most uh, recent piece of research. Now, for this piece of work, we wanted to understand what the expectations are of the public. So we asked people three questions. We asked them, how important is this priority or this prediction to you personally? How important is this prediction to Irish society and Ireland's economy? And finally, how likely do you think this prediction will happen in 2021? Yeah. So... Through this, we mapped out how important different priorities were to them personally and how important they believed it was to the general public and how likely they thought it would actually be prioritised by Ireland. Yeah, and, and, and it was um, quite mature, if I may say. Like, consumers weren't looking ahead and say, I want to get a new pair of trousers or I want to get <laughs> shiny new shoes. Mental health was number one on people's uh, um, concerns and predictions for 2021. What does that tell us? So, as you say, 85% of the public believe more mental health supports will be needed. Um, Of this group, 52% say it's very important to Irish society, and 42% say it's very important to them personally. Now, what's interesting in the second group who say it's important to them personally is they fall into three categories. So, women in their 30s and 40s, women looking after family at home, and people who are unemployed. Now, there's a few reasons for this female skew. Um, Firstly, women tend to have a more emotion-focused coping style, whereas men have more solution-focused coping styles. Now, that's a generalization. Sometimes women will have solution-focused coping styles and men will have emotion-focused coping styles. But it does give us a bit of insight into some of these numbers. And this is especially true of women who are caring for family and kids at home. So the stresses of juggling working from home, minding the children, you know, checking in on other family, especially these past few weeks when when schools have been closed, these are unfortunately responsibilities that usually fall on women. Now that's starting to shift. We are starting to see more men take on household responsibilities, but it is still predominantly women, and that's reflected in these numbers. Um, Another factor is, Although men might be just as likely to deal with mental health issues, they are a lot less likely to admit it. 
they're a lot less likely to talk about it, which, as we know, is one of the most important things you can do when you're when you're dealing with mental health crisis is reach out to someone. So in general, these numbers of both men and women regarding mental health is, is not surprising. You know, mental uh, medical experts have warned that the psychological footprint of a, of a pandemic of the size is often larger than the medical footprint mm. itself. But oh. the good news is that, that people do think that Ireland is going to prioritise it in 2021. That's excellent. Okay, well, look, um, we're going to take a break and we'll be back uh, to talk to you about the other findings in that really interesting piece of research. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR with you until 10 o'clock. Don't go away. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. John Purcell with you and I'm joined on the line by Anne Zahan, who's Strategy Director with Core, Core Media. We were talking about Predict 2021, the hopes and concerns of people in Ireland for the year ahead. Anne, um, people are putting mental health number one and are reasonably confident that it's going to be uh, addressed. The vaccine, um, huge 90% of the public believe uh, that most people will get the vaccine in 2021. Tell us more about, drill down into that finding. So it's actually 90% of the uh, public believe it's important that people get the vaccine, but only 24% of people believe it'll actually happen. So scepticism. Um, that's quite a tangent. Yeah, there's a bit of scepticism. Um, and there's a few reasons for that, um, but, but perhaps the most important is communications around the vaccine rollout. It's really critical to get this right. Um, loads of people have fair questions and concerns around the vaccines, and, and this figures show that. Um, at the moment, there's, there's just too much uncertainty around the vaccine and its availability, um, which, we, you know, Ireland actually has the second highest vaccination rate in the EU. So we are making strides, but I suppose it's all about keeping people confident and up to date about the rollout. Yeah, and um, equally, the future of work and travel is big with people as well. Um, you know, huge changes, people working from home and so on. How are people feeling about that? Big announcement of a new strategy from the government yesterday, but you asked people before that, how are people on that? So um, 71% of people say that it is personally important to them that companies will be expected to provide remote and flexible working arrangements in 2021. Um, I know a lot of companies would have had working from home policies, but, you know, people always thought of them as, as kind of work from home days, as sitting in front of the TV with the computer on their last days. Uh, and, you know, I think that's very much shifted. Um, companies um, are, are expected to have work from home um, policies and in a lot of cases it's actually proving to be more effective than actually going into the office so I think we'll see um, a lot more people maybe moving out of, of commuter areas moving out of big cities into um, you know more rural areas where there are bigger and cheaper properties yeah and um, opportunities there for places like Carlo and Kilkenny um, you know we've spoken earlier in the program about the huge support packages um, that have been made available to keep businesses and individuals going people feel that uh, young people in particular are going to need economic support that's it so 43% of people so nearly half believe young people will need economic support um, and we know that nearly half of working to 15 to 24-year-olds experienced unemployment during the lockdown. So this figure isn't surprising. 
Um, but while 43% they will need, uh, believe they will need economic support, only 31% believe it will actually happen. Um, now, there's, there's several reasons this could be happening. COVID-19 has very much put things into perspective. It's made us appreciate um, uh, what, what's really important. I think, you know, it's, it's significant because this age group would have largely been working in bars, restaurants, hotels and gyms all places that are either completely shut down or severely impacted by these restrictions. Um, so the need for alternative opportunities for this group, whether it's through gigs, through the gig economy, or, or other ways to ensure they receive the support they need, that becomes increasingly relevant. Yeah, um, so an interesting piece of research. Unfortunately, we don't have time to go all the way through it. But from your point of view, Anne, reasons to be cheerful. It's a sober look ahead, you have to say. It is a sober look ahead, but listen, I think that the great positive thing coming out of this is that people are still prioritizing these issues. People are still prioritizing um, people's mental health and employment for young people. So it's showing that we are still in this together. We are still, um, you know, dealing with this as, as a community, and I think that's the most important bit. Absolutely. Well, Anne, we have to leave it there, but hopefully we'll get you back on the bottom line uh, during the year to find out more uh, insights into what Irish people and Irish consumers, uh, which of course is hugely important to business, what they're uh, thinking. That's Anne Zahan, Strategy Director with CORE. Uh, They're telling us about Predict 21. Good morning, Anne. Now, uh, that's about all we've got time for on the bottom line. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email the bottom line at kclr96fm.com. Or if you'd like to listen back to this show or any episode of The Bottom Line, just search for The Bottom Line on KCLR on the Apple Store, Google Play or Spotify. Thank you to all my guests this week, Dara Doyle, Kieran Conroy, Maria Couchman and Anne Zahan there. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produced. We'll be back next Saturday just after the news at nine. Until then, stay safe, keep your distance and reduce your contacts. Hard and all as it is, keep sticking to the things we all need to do to get through these difficult days and we will have better days ahead. So enjoy the weekend, have yourself a good week and we'll talk to you again soon. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast.